0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Pirkei Avus podcast with Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, or just like to reach out and say hello, please feel free. My email address is Rabbi Kohn with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. For this week, we are continuing with Perek Aleph Mishnah Zion, Chapter 1, Mishnah 7. And we're continuing with our sets of pairs. The Mishnah is bringing down the pairs of each generation and their teachings. And last week, we discussed the teachings of Ibishua ben Prachia, who is together with Nittai Ha'arbeili. And this week, we are, we'll be discussing and, and learning about the, the sayings and the teaching of Nittai Nita Nittai of Arbel Nittai Arbel. That was a place. Said, Distance yourself from a bad neighbor, and do not associate with a wicked person, and do not despair of retribution. It's a short Mishnah, but very powerful, short and sweet. Now It's interesting, before we delve into the different deep thoughts uh, of the Mishnah and the important ideas that we're going to learn from it, we have three ideas here. Number one, do not, sorry, number one, distance yourself from a bad neighbor. We'll discuss what that means. Number two, do not associate yourself with a wicked person. Don't have anything to do with a bad person. And number three, do not despair of retribution. And we're going to explain what that means. It's talking about, you know, if you see good things happening to a bad person, you shouldn't give up hope and say, oh, wow, looks like they're enjoying the life because, you know, the, their day will come and God, um, God's judgment is exact and everything will be meted out in the proper way. Now, I wanted to give a little background here um, of the teaching of Nite Bailey. Nita of Arbel, and I saw brought down from Reuven Feinstein shlit"a that the Mishnah and Nita arbel lived in a very specific time, and that had a, a big to do with the teaching that was common to be for him to be said to his students and to the people of a generation. It seems that Nitahar Bailey lived during the time period at the beginning of Christianity and also at the time when there were many heretical sects of Judaism that were popping up. Um, this was I, I believe after the destruction of the temple, the second temple. And, you know, there's the Sadducees and the and the uh Karoyim, the Karites. There are different um Sects, heretical sects that broke off of Judaism and had you know throughout our history have, have had disastrous effects upon the Jewish people. They didn't just try to ensnare the Jews who are trying to follow the Torah, but they also actively caused trouble with the Romans to to get the Jewish people into problems and to um, to report them to the government for whatever they're trying to do. And they caused many, many issues to the Jewish people actually known that after the destruction of the of the temple, many there were there were certain um, Takano, certain um, rulings that were enacted to prevent the Jewish people from being swayed and being infiltrated by these heretics. One of the most commonly known um, regulations that were instituted was adding a blessing to the Shmoneh Esrei, Shmoneh Esrei, the Amidah prayer. Literally, Shmona Esrei means literally 18 blessings. But if you count up our Shmona Esrei, our Amidah, you'll see that there's really 19 blessings. So how do we reconcile this? If something's called the 18 blessings, why is it 19 blessings? So the answer to that is that the sages enacted one of the blessings to be put into the Shmona Esrei, into the Amidah, which is Vlaam al-Shinim, which is the ones that the the ones who twist the torah the the ones who are not believing in the torah and it says that the people who are the Shinim, the people who are um the heretics they should be uh, they should not have hope they should it sort of is a curse on the heretics and the and the, the reason why it was enacted was because the a, like like i mentioned before the, these these sects they looked exactly like a regular jewish person they looked like jewish people they were jews and they didn't. There was really not much much distinction between a a, at least outwardly, between a God fearing Torah Jew and this heretic who also looked like a God fearing Torah Jew. And in order to prevent them to show the difference between the people who are truly believers in Hashem and and the Torah, and the whole Torah, the written Torah oral Torah, the sages enacted that in the Shmonasri and Amidah we should have a prayer which curses the ones who try to change the Torah. So therefore, if somebody would get up. To, to pray for the congregation as was common. People, one person would pray for the congregation and, and fulfill the obligation of everyone who would listen. And he was an heretic. If he skipped that blessing, they would know that he was not a true believer. He was not somebody who was following the Torah. He was a, a Karite or a Sadducee who didn't, you know, cause he, why would someone willingly curse themselves? So the sages enacted it into Shmonaasra into the Amidah to, as sort of a a detection, a, a way to detect who is a, a you know, a, in the who is the, the true true believer, the true, the ones who are following the Torah correctly, and to weed out any of the people who had false and mistaken beliefs who are who are actually trying to ensnare the Jewish people. So just to give the background here, Nita or Bailey lived during that time where you know you had. Yankel the righteous and Yankel the heretic looked exactly the same. And therefore he was telling the Jewish people something very important for his time that the you need to be careful with your friends. You need to be careful with your neighbors. You know, even though on the outside people looked the same during that time people the the ones who had the false beliefs and were looking to 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 get the people to mislead Jewish people really did not look any different than the than the than the most righteous. So therefore, Nitaar Bailey was giving instruction that was very appropriate for his time, and it is still appropriate for us, maybe albeit in a little bit of a different way. Now, the first idea on this mishnah is harcheik mishachin ra. Distance yourself from a bad neighbor. Now. The literal translation of this, or the if you learn, learn this on, a, on the more simple understanding, is that a person should not be next to a bad neighbor because you don't want to learn from him. You don't want to learn from his or her bad ways. So therefore, make a separation between you and your neighbor who maybe doesn't have the best um, practices, the best character traits, because you don't want to learn from somebody who's not so good it really brings to a more broader conversation because when you're looking for a home, people are always very careful to make sure that the home is structurally sound. You bring an inspector in, could be you're even legally bound to have that inspector come in and look at the house before you finalize the sale. And I've seen it being talked about that when you're looking to buy a house, you should look at the house at nighttime, at daytime, during the rain, you know, look up police reports in your neighborhood, the crime, people are very, they want to know how safe is a neighborhood. And safety is a big concern, rightfully so, for people when they're looking to choose a house, a neighborhood, a, a area to live. So shouldn't spirituality also be a determining factor when someone also buys a house or lives in a neighborhood? It's not just about the best price. We don't always look for the best price of everything. You know, sure, price is important. We don't look to just spend money for nothing. But when we're looking at the overall, you know, um, uh, you know, an overall picture of, of something we're going to buy, price is a factor, but it's not the only factor. You want to get something good quality, something that will last, something that um, has a good name to it. So when it comes to a, a neighborhood, buying a house, living somewhere. It's very important to also look at the spiritual side of things as well. Is this area conducive to my Judaism? Is there a shul, a synagogue located nearby? Is this, are there going to be good friends for my children? These are all valid questions and very important questions that a person should ask when they're making these decisions in their life. And it's not even... For somebody who's just looking to move in their life, it's really any time we're associating with other people, we're, we're becoming part of our organization, we are getting involved in a project. We can't just look at the the you know the the factors of, you know, is this making me money? Is it not making me money? Is that I, you have to look at the whole picture? If are there spiritual risks to the things that we're going to do? And that's really a a situation that any person, no matter their stage in life, can find themselves in, because if we're deciding to associate ourselves with people, with organizations, with individuals who are not not necessarily the highest caliber, so then we want to assess the situation to the best way possible and make the best decision. I'm not saying that sometimes we 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 don't we need to be involved with certain people who are maybe not the best. Influences, right? We maybe just we have to be for whatever reason, but it's a question we should ask ourselves when we're making those decisions. We should put our spiritual lives and our our neshama, our souls, into the equation as well. And I think that's a a uh, very important idea which we could take out from this Mishnah. Another idea which I thought which is which can be extrapolated from this part, this teaching of the Mishnah. Is is another important lesson about neighbors. So, as I mentioned before, sometimes we are forced to be in a situation with maybe the the people that we're dealing with are not necessarily the the people of the most highest moral caliber. They're, you know, we really ne- we wouldn't necessarily want to hang around with if we had a choice. And I, I think the Mishnah is giving us an important insight into this as well, because a neighbor sometimes. We might not have a choice as to our neighbors, you know. Even if you move into a, the the best neighborhood in the world, your neighbor could decide to sell his house, and you know you could have anybody to be your neighbor. And I think the the important lesson here that the missions bring out, which I want to take out of this, is that even if somebody moves into your house, and, and I think the example of a neighbor is just an example, and we could really apply it anywhere. But if let's say just for example's sake, let's say that you someone moves into your, you know, on one side of you, it's not necessarily the most highest moral caliber. And they maybe they're a little bit shady, a little bit uh, a little bit interesting. I'll leave it at that. You could use your imagination. And you know, as a neighbor, you're always going to have interactions with somebody who's right next door to you. It's it's a fact. You know, you don't have to be the guy's best friend, you do know, you know, but you're gonna have interactions with somebody who's your neighbor. It's, it's a reality. Um, hopefully, they're good interactions. We have good experiences with our neighbors. That's what we in for. We should have good neighbors. But the Mishnah is giving us a, something that's a very important insight. And it's not just for neighbors. The Mishnah is telling us here that when you have a situation of a person who you have to deal with, such as a neighbor, <laughs> distance yourself from him. Meaning, you can distance yourself physically, emotionally, mentally, put yourself, make a distance, make a little bit of space between you and him. So you don't get influenced. And that doesn't mean you have to ignore somebody. That doesn't mean you don't have to be nice to somebody. That doesn't mean you have to be rude to somebody. It means just keep that distance in your mind. That when you think about that, you know, I want to keep a little bit of a distance. These people are not the best influence on me. And even you need to be nice to people still you have to be friendly you have to be you know uh, amicable but you don't have to be so close to the person you could still keep it in your mind that i need to keep a distance that you need to actively put in the forefront of your mind this thought that tread lightly be careful be aware yield warning flashing yellow light. And I think that's what the Mishnah is also telling us that when we have to deal with individuals who are a little bit shady or a little bit interesting, or we just need to deal with them for whatever reason, maybe it's work, maybe it's our neighborhood, maybe it's a service. We need a plumber. I don't know whatever it is. We're in the jam and we have to use this plumber who has a horrible uh, mouth. The point is the Mishnah is saying, keep a distance. Whether that means physically physically, whether that means mentally, whether it means emotionally, have that in the forefront of your mind so that you won't naturally become influenced. Because the way people are is that we are attracted to other people usually. We have we're social beings. We want to people to like us. We want people to be our friends. So if we have, if we don't have that thought in our mind, we're naturally going to become more friendly with the person and draw close. So unless we are actively making that distance we're automatically drawing closer. Again, unless we're actively putting in our mind a space between us and that person who we don't necessarily want to associate with, we're going to be automatically coming closer to that person. And I think that's another thought of this Mishnah, that when we need to deal with these type of people, think in your mind, yellow flashing light, yield, tread lightly, be careful. Because when we do that, we're keeping that distance because if we don't have that, picture in our mind of the yellow light of the stop sign so then we're automatically going to pull closer to them and we don't want to do that because it'll it'll affect us negatively now the mishnah continued la do not associate with a russia and i wanted to speak about a little bit this idea of out chaber la russia it's a different wording than the first teaching of the mishnah the first teaching said do distance yourself from a bad neighbor and now it says do not associate With the wicked, which seems to be a little bit of a stronger wording when it comes to somebody who is evil, wicked, bad. And the first thing we have to understand is really what's the difference between a shachin ra, a bad neighbor, and a russia, a wicked person. So I saw it brought down from the, I believe, from the Tiferes Yisrael, that a a a shachin ra is somebody who just does bad, but he doesn't necessarily get other people to do bad. With him. A Russia is somebody who also tries to get someone to do bad with him as well. That's one understanding. And, and, and if that's the case, you understand the difference in the wording. Because a Shachin Ra, he he's just doing his own thing. He doesn't want to, he doesn't care to bring you down with him. He's just doing a sinning himself. So you got to keep a distance. Be careful. Don't get us, don't, don't become too friendly. But when it comes to an evil person, you don't even want to be associated with them. You don't even have that any connection with them because they're actively trying to get people to come down with them. That's the difference, I guess, when it comes to different types of people, you know, how do you interact, you know, at a certain point, at what point do you say that, okay, this person, I really cannot have anything to do with. He's just bad. And the other person, he's just, he's not so bad. He just wants to, he wants to do what he wants to do. And he doesn't care about anyone else. And it's actually very interesting because the example that's given in the Rav or Bavad Yumi to help us understand this part of the mishnah is that the rav says that the the meaning to this verse in the mishnah is that do not associate with the wicked is that if somebody goes into a a um, a tanning shop and that's the example that's given so we could chain a tanning, tanning shop smelled very bad it smells horrible right the skins that are rotting they have to part of the process for sure in those days they took manure and they put it on the skins to to create a chemical reaction but let's Let's change it a drop. A garbage dump, right? If you if a person has to go to a garbage dump or a place that smells extremely bad and they don't do, they don't have any interactions with anybody. Do you think they're going to be smelling like roses afterwards when they come out? No. They're going to be smell bad as well. They're going to come, even if they didn't interact with anybody, they didn't touch any of the, the skins. They didn't touch any of the garbage. They're still going to come out and most likely have a bad smell to them. So that's the the problem with associating with with the wicked that's why you have to be extra vigilant about it that's what the mission is saying do not associate with the wicked because no matter what a person is due, it's going it probably is going to happen that you're going to come out you're going to smell you're going to smell like like a like the garbage like the skin and what that means is that a person is going to acquire, learn bad habits from, from, from this person. If he associates with them in any way, it's sort of just, it's catchy. And I, I thought it was a very beautiful idea, which, which I saw, which um, from the Benish Shai, Benish Chai was, he, he lived in Baghdad at the beginning of the 1900s, a great Sephardic sage. And he writes that he learns, when it becomes when it comes to the first saying of the mishnah he learns it a little bit differently and i and, and it fits in very well with what we're saying right now because the ben says that when it comes to your neighbor he reads it a little differently ra <laughs> distance from your neighbor bad that the ben is telling us that you as a neighbor have a res- have responsibility almost to, to help your neighbor get rid of his bad habits. And it's a little bit understandable why the Ben Ishchai says it only on a neighbor, because the neighbor's different. You know, like we said, he's not trying to make other people do bad. Those people you can't really associate with, but somebody who is just doing his own thing, you have the ability to, and if you could, to try to help him rectify himself to become better. And you know what? I want to tell you a secret. It's not, sometimes you don't even have to actively do anything to have a positive influence on people. Many times, most times, right? As, as, as parents, we for sure see this. It's not the biggest lessons that we imprint upon our children. Aren't the lessons that we say, the conversations we try to give, you know, what we try to tell the kids, our, our kids, But rather it's the, our actions, how we, you know, how we act, how we conduct ourselves. That's, what the children pick up because their children are not dumb. They're smart. They see how we act. They're going to see if what we do and what we're hypocritical in. And if they see we're really sincere about our beliefs, so they're also going to emulate that. And it's not just children who are like that. It's anybody that we come into contact with that we act as positive role models and conduct ourselves according to the values of the Torah. That's a kiddush Hashem. People see that. They see us and they say, wow, I also want to be like that. I want my children to be like that person who follows the Torah. And that's also really takes us to a broader discussion. It says when the Jewish people are the light upon the nations, that's what's supposed to be. That when a person sees a Jewish person walking in the street, they say, wow, they conduct themselves in a way. I want to be like that. Well, look at this. Look at what the Torah does. Look at God's Torah and his people. That a person who studies Torah, a person who lives by these elevated sets of, of mor- morals and morality, Look at what they become. Look at how distinguished they are. Look at how they act. And I, I believe that the, the what the Benishkai is saying in our Mishnah is that many times we from just us being a positive role model and just doing the right thing and being friendly, being nice. Obviously, there are some situations where we need, where we need to speak up. And I don't know if it's for a neighbor or everyone has to use their seichel, their understanding, um, to to figure that out. But for sure, for sure, for sure, just being a, a, a positive role model and, and having a good conducting yourself in the proper way, it goes a huge distance in changing people's opinions and changing the way people act. And that's more of an everlasting change because when people see things and they actually internalize it themselves, it's more everlasting and, and more permanent. It's funny, just talking about, about neighbors, and uh how how um you know just being a positive role model could affect i'm thinking about a story that happened to me it's maybe a role model this story of about just being healthy you know and seeing something through i you know i um you know i became a runner this past year i ran in a marathon it was a great amazing experience for those of you who have uh haven't heard my whole story of this the running and the and the marathon and so on and so forth. Please listen to episode 36 of this podcast. There was a special episode I did, which talked about my experiences running on a marathon. And um, that's one of my uh, special episodes that are very dear to my heart. And I remember during my training, one of my neighbors saw me, you know, getting into my jogging clothes and he would see me consistently twice a week running and stretching. And one time he stopped me, he's like, he asked me what I'm doing. And I said, you know, I'm... Uh, I'm running a marathon for rabbis. And I explained to him that you know it, it's meant to get rabbis into shape and that they should be positive role models for their congregations to also get into shape. And, and that was it. And I, I mentioned he asked me it's for, for charity. I said, Yes, I'm doing this for charity. And that was it. I did not, I, I did not solicit him for money. And a few weeks later, he came over to me after seeing me every, you know, every Tuesday and every Friday running. I said, Can I make a donation? I said, sure. And I gave him the link. And just to me, it was like I was, um, you know, I, I was impressed to myself that I just I obviously made an imp, imprint upon my neighbor that he saw that I was sincere about something and 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 I was doing it. And I was being consistent and and it made him want to be part of it as well, which I thought was a, a special thing. So just the the message from that is that it, it's it's role modeling how far it goes. And, you know, the Mishnah's idea of of Enra, distance from your from your neighbor evil we Just being positive and conducting ourselves properly is a, a major step in, in, in accomplishing that. There's one more thought I wanted to uh, speak out on this line of the Mishnah, do not associate with the wicked. The Rambam Maimonides explains this passage to mean that a person should, have, should not have any type of friendship with a wicked person. And the question is asked, I, I've heard Rebruven, again, finds the Shlita asks, says what does this mean that the the Rambam says a person should not have any association any type of friendship with with a uh with a wicked person and I, and I saw a very beautiful answer that he, sa- he explains that many times people have quote unquote friendships with people but it's not necessarily real friendships you know i'm sure you know th- th- it's, it's par- sometimes it's not as bad and sometimes it's, at, it's it's worse but what i mean by this is like Sometimes we're friends by association. We, we have many people we know that we were together with them in school. We're friends with them. But once we left school, we are not friends with them. We have other people we we're friends with them in work. But once we left work, we're not friends with them. We have other people, you know, there's people that are friends for pleasure, right? They get pleasure from each other. and But they're if you take away that pleasure, are they friends? No. There are people that are friends because one of the friends, they have money. If one of the friends has money and maybe they want to get to that money, they want to use them, so they're friends. But if you take away the money, are they still friends? No. So the 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 Rambam is telling us here that when it comes to a wicked person, don't trick yourself and think that I, you know, I won't be his real friend. But I'll just use, you know, maybe I need to gain something out of him. I need to get something done. Uh, I'll be his, you know, I'll be his friend to gain material possession. I'll be his friend for other benefits that I might have from it. The Rambam is saying no. When it comes to a truly wicked person, do not befriend them at all for anything because you do not want to be associated with a wicked person because like, as I mentioned before, it's like being in the garbage dump, being in the tanner shop where if even just just associating yourselves with them, not even being directly involved and, and being attached is going to have an effect on you. And therefore, you need to desist and get yourself away from that. Now, the last thought in the Mishnah is Do not despair of retribution. And um, the, 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 the commentaries explain that this is telling us, the mission is telling us that when a person might see somebody who is not necessarily the best person, he is maybe even a wicked person, but things seem to be going really jolly for him. He has tons of money, he has fame, he has a fortune, he has everything in his life is going right. And you are sitting there and saying, how could this be? Why is it that this wicked person who is doing everything bad, X, Y, Z, all the bad things in the book, he's checking off every box and he's living the good life. How could that be? How is that fair? Now, let me ask you, have you ever thought these thoughts in your mind? Maybe not to such an extreme level, but I think we've all had experiences where we look at someone else and say, it's not fair. How come they have it so good? I had it much harder and I don't have it so good. It's not fair. And my first point is, obviously, the mission is talking about a wicked person, that when it comes to a wicked person, we see everything going right for them. We have to know in our mind that even though it's good for them right now, there's number one, is a, there's a calculation as to why is God giving to him what he's giving to him. And as we know, sometimes God gives reward to the wicked in order that they shouldn't have reward in the next world. We've talked about this on previous podcasts. But even aside from that, we have to know that he will get his retribution, meaning we shouldn't be judging people. And number two is but well, we should know that if a person is wicked, truly wicked, Hashem will give him his punishment and it will come at the right time when it's supposed to come. And we're not in charge. We're not the judges. We're not the ones who are making that call. So let's do our job and we'll let God do his job. And really to make this a little bit more personal, to really bring it home, the, you know, when we look at other people sometimes and we compare ourselves and say, it's not fair. They have it. You know, I was a much better person. And I still, you know, we shouldn't start looking at people like that because we don't know the calculations we don't know why things are set the way they are. Maybe the reason why he's getting that is not a good thing. Maybe it's he's he's uh he, he's getting his, his reward here in this world, and maybe the reason why we have it hard is that we're getting our punishment here in this world, which is a good thing because we don't want to be punished in the next world. We want to want to get rid of anything, all any blemish now. The point is we shouldn't look at other people, we have everything we have, we need. We should realize that our situations are tailor-made for ourselves. I know it's an easy thing to say, it's a hard thing to do. But I think if we appreciate how good we have it, we think about, we actively think about all the blessing we have in our life, all the things that have gone right for us, I feel like it's much easier to to not look at the other guy. We look at ourselves, all the good things we have, all the good things that happened to us. And there are, each and every one of us have had good, more good than bad. We've had our challenges, but there's no way that we've had more bad than good. We always have tons of good. If we focus on the good, so then, we will have less of a folk we won't think about the, you know, what we don't have and what the other person has. We'll realize all the blessing we have in our lives and be so thankful to God for everything good that He's done for us. That's gonna finish for today's Mishnah. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbi Shlomakom with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you.